0: pipe bursts in an apartment building is often the exact moment in which many people feel like they really like to talk to you. There are obviously the concerned neighbors, who want you to solemnly promise you'll pay for just about any possible, probable or barely conceivable damage. But there are also other conversations that can take place. Free-flowing discussions about mental health, misogyny and the patriarchy. With the laid-back guy who is there to fix those troublesome pipes what you mean you never have those conversations with your handyman well then grab a beer crack it open and enjoy this episode Before we dive in, I'll have to apologize for the recording mishap and the less-than-ideal sound quality during our discussion. I'd also like to thank those of you who follow the podcast regularly, and if you're new here, hi there! I hope that you'll enjoy the show, and if you do, it'd be great if you could tell your friends about it. Thanks. Now, let's begin.
1: Hi, what's up?
2: Oh, well, uh, so the situation is a lot drier than when we... About <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, no pun intended. Sounds, sounds, good. Yeah, sounds yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I've uh, thought that it would be a good idea, uh, seeing as to how people have been uh, alerting me to the fact that the, 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 the male presence on this podcast has been rather modest. Uh, And uh, having gotten hold of a guy, what better topic to uh, bring up than misogyny and the patriarchy? A perfectly wonderful light topic, especially for like first-time guests, I think, right?
1: Which is quite actual in Romania.
2: Yeah. I mean, um, it, it most like de-
1: On a daily basis
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah So, uh, just for the sake of structure I thought before we jump into this uh, I outlined The sort of discussion That we're going to have uh, And I thought we'd start off With the musings of a Certain someone called Otto Weininger uh, He was an early 20th century Viennese philosopher whose only Published book, because he was a one-hit wonder sort of guy, (laughs) (laughs) thank God, Um, set out to create an entire philosophical system based off of uh, misogyny and (laughs) although looking back on it now, the sort of things he wrote about sound like the ravings of a lunatic on the fringes of society, unfortunately that was not the case and we'll see that by comparing what he had to say to what was sort of like very common sense uh, knowledge in the eyes of his contemporaries, Uh, because the 19th century was basically the time when I don't know. It seems like most of society had reached super saiyan levels of misogyny. It Which was yeah,
1: kind of persisted.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it uh, it seems to hold on quite well, especially <laughs> in yeah, in some parts of the world. So um, <clears throat> for anyone who is. Uh, As dorkish as I am, uh, the the sources (laughs) uh, that I've researched for this episode will be in the description, so I won't uh, waste any more time on them here. Okay, so, why are we talking about this? Like, why? Why? It's it's not exactly a pleasant evening's talk, right? Uh, (laughs) It can It can be. Yeah, I mean, it can be definitely constructive, but like... Besides the fact that why are we talking about this, why did I subject you to this? Do you have any <laughs> ideas? <laughs> any ideas? <laughs>
1: uh, maybe because I'm a man?
2: No. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I mean besides yeah. the fact that I wanted to have the male perspective, the elusive male perspective on this. I don't know, first when
1: you, when you told me that uh, you, want to, you want to make a podcast podcast with me mm-hmm. about masculinity mm-hmm. and about all this stuff, I was like, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an easy subject. It's, it's, I can deal with it. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. After five minutes, I was like, I have no freaking idea.
2: Mm-hmm. How to approach it? How to or approach or it?
1: I know nothing
2: mm-hmm. about it. You just live, through, yeah. live it like yes. fish with water. It's yes, like... because it's
1: like we are taught in this way, I mm-hmm. think.
2: To not think about it in any critical way, or yeah, exactly. not to even. It's like normal it. in,
1: in, in here. Yeah. This whole patriarchy stuff,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's really connected, I think, with uh, religion. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to go there. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> we don't need to. <laughs> but uh, yes, I think it's it's religious dogma. Mm-hmm. I think.
2: But uh, do you think that since patriarchy or misogyny, of course, still exists even in societies that are not particularly religious, do you think that it's still something that while it may have some roots in uh, the way most religions have uh, sort of ordained this hierarchy where men are on top and women and everyone else uh, below do you think that that sort of can transpire through even a transition away from traditional spirituality and stuff like that because it, it, it doesn't go away is what i'm saying
1: and um, <clears throat> in traditional spirituality
2: i mean like mm-hmm. in the old times oh, but you mean now heathen spirituality yeah, you mean heathen, like before, heathen before ah okay
1: um uh, women and uh, men were kind of kind of e- equal.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, 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 are certainly religions and forms of spirituality in which you could all, all almost say like the hierarchy was switched and women were valued more than men. That's true. That's true. Yes. But it's very far away. <laughs> <from one>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: um, I think uh, when the the time passes. Mm-hmm we kind of um, divide ourselves. Mm
2: -hmm. Okay. I don't think I'm going to be very controversial here in saying (laughs) that as the world and society changes, uh, the traits and behaviors that are deemed useful by society also change, right? Because in a hunter-gatherer society, physical strength and endurance was more important than math skills. No brainer, right? Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas today, uh, you know, what HR likes to call soft skills or social skills or networking and stuff like that—you know, basic humaning—these uh, uh, skills are probably more useful, or at least you're going to use them more often than the ability to lift a heavy tree trunk. Yes. Yeah. Sometime. So yeah, and um, I would say that while there has always been uh, a lot of pushback with regards what counter does acceptable behaviors or actions done by women. We were also allowed to engage in things like, you know, picking up the tools that men left behind when they went to war, changing the oil, laying the brakes without necessarily being called less Less feminine feminine, or less, yes, yes, less of a woman for that. Uh, So basically what I'm trying to say is that femininity has a certain elasticity, even in the eyes of the more more conservative-leaning people. So there's pushback, but also when the times call for it, it's like, yeah, it's fine, women can do it, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. But when it comes to men the same thing you know adapting to changing conditions and reshuffling the sort of roster of what counts as the basic skills or the most favorable favorite skills kind of instantly throws masculinity into crisis mode and then you just get this assortment of really crazy ideas which end up hurting everyone you know men women and pff, if you're an gender non-conforming, non-conforming person caught in the crossfire, just yikes. (laughs) So you told me a bit about your efforts to deal with some of the constraints and expectations placed upon you, Uh, not just as a man, but as someone from what I would A proudly working class background, Uh, and I mention this because there is not just in Romania, I think, uh, this idea that any self reflection or critique of masculinity or the patriarchy is something that only feminists or maybe I don't know, puss boys in academia (laughs) care about, and uh, uh, really men, real men, and especially men who work with their hands, they don't concern themselves with such fripperies, you know. This is not. Nonsense for them, and uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that's this is the case. Well,
1: <clears throat> men usually we don't like self-analyze ourselves. I mean, if you take a if you take a group of 100 men and mm-hmm. 100 women, okay, and you put them to go to a therapist, therapist yeah, that's the that's the word. 80% of women maybe. Mm-hmm. Will go
2: seventy. Uh, 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 yeah, it depends on the. Yes. It depends on many things, but.
1: But I think like only like ten percent of men will go because I think we are afraid to analyze ourselves because we can find out some stuff which can be unpleasant.
2: But isn't that what happens to everyone? And what is different in the case of men? Do you think? About finding out things about yourself that you... Because
1: you're going to find out that you're 50% feminine and you're 50% masculine. Mm-hmm. It's like, a, it has to be a balance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If it's not a balance, you're going to be probably a misogynist. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and, good... and, and, and is the femininity or the prospect of femininity that really scares many men, do you think? Of course.
1: Because the other man mm-hmm. will point at him like, oh, you're, you're, you're a pussy or something, mm-hmm. you know? If you look at uh, if you look at uh, men like little men like children mm-hmm. like boys and um, if they hit themselves mm-hmm. the parents will tell oh don't cry don't cry be yeah, a yeah, man yeah. be a man somehow this idea of you you cannot cry you cannot uh, be sentimental you cannot the feminist a little bit, mm-hmm. you're not a man.
2: But uh, do you not have a sort of intuition as a guy who is going through life, right? And you no. cannot always keep up with that image of, you know, the stoic masculine ideal who never cries is always the rock upon, the rock everyone leans upon and stuff like that. Don't you sort of intuit that maybe this is bullshit and maybe other guys are also in that position where they cannot really do this all the time they cannot be that kind of guy all the time and that and that there is some sort of vulnerability in everyone
1: of course there's vulnerability in everyone Mm -hmm. i mean if i i talk with a lot of guys Mm -hmm. which were like tough Mm-hmm. I don't know, I have a, I have a friend, which uh, was rugby, rugby player, player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he was like tough, he was mm-hmm. mad, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And we were talking and chatting and drinking a beer and after like half an hour he was like so soft and so caring and so he almost cried because he, he told me about his uh, childhood and parents mm-hmm. and everything. So. We
2: can But that oh. was a special moment. Did it seem like he was letting you in on his more secret side instead yes. of just his personality? This is part of who I am. Yes,
1: he he let me inside his soul, you know, mm-hmm. somehow. And he uh, was uh, it was funny because he he realized it like in five minutes after he was soft, and mm-hmm. after he 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 came back like a fully masculine. He was like, oh fuck that, you know, man, I can. Mm-hmm. It was. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, why? Yeah, yeah, why are yeah. you hiding this mm-hmm. sentimental feminine side of yours?
2: Yeah. Why? Did he answer your question or did you not ask him that? No,
1: this was in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like looking at him, and I was like,
2: why? Did you ever ask any of your friends who did something similar?
1: Uh, honestly, I don't know. Did you
2: ask yourself?
1: Yes. And sometimes I, um, I act from my masculine side. Mm-hmm. Depends on the... Uh, situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes from my feminine side and it's perfectly okay. Mm
2: -hmm. Now let's uh, dig into uh, our goodies for today. Okay. (laughs) David, have you heard about a man called Otto Weininger? More or less. (laughs) (laughs) Do tell.
1: Maybe you can tell me?
2: Well, He was sort of difficult to say, really, since he died at 23 years old, but some might insist on calling him an Austrian philosopher. But, in my opinion, before the age of 25, the most any of us can be is jerks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think anyone can be a... a lot of people can be philosophers. I mean, it's not that hard.
2: Well, yes, because it's not all that it's panned up to be, in my opinion. I mean, many people like to call themselves philosophers, and they're like, mm, no. But anyway, Weininger produced quite a splash in his short life. In 1903, he published a study entitled "Sex and Character," and then promptly shot his brains out. Uh, in a way, maybe he found something. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, He found himself in a pool of blood. Uh, In a way, uh, he kind of pulled off a remarkable PR stunt, because the interest in his book would always be tied to his dramatic final gesture. So, good on uh, the PR effort there. Sex and Character went through 28 editions between the years 1903 and 1947. That I, I don't know how many Harry Potter's has, but this is quite something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twelve editions in the first seven years after publication, with four in 1904 alone. Beginning in 1906, it was translated into English, Italian, Polish, Hungarian, Russian, Danish, Norwegian, Swedish, as well as into Yiddish and Japanese. The point I'm trying to make here is that this wasn't some sort of self publishing loony, but actually someone who whose work was pretty popular and. Uh,
1: People were interested in yeah, and his work,
2: right. And they didn't think like it was some sort of guilty pleasures like we think of yes. tabloids today, for instance. Yes. Um, and uh, as Mishka Kafka puts it in one of her articles, Weininger did not create an anti feminine gender philosophy from pathological scratch, he used ideas that were floating around that were actually really part of, like I said, like the common sense knowledge of the day uh, and he just basically did a mashup a <laughs> <laughs> <Yes. laughs> uh, best stuff of uh, the 19th century misogyny to start off the 20th century and uh, he called it the philosophical system, you know, because you want to be pedantic about it and uh, just as a sort of general context For the period that sort of led to him writing his book It's important to remember that at the end of the 19th century uh, Women were everywhere In painting, in literature, in decorative art In medical works, essays, in scientific psychology, in treatise, moral philosophy, everything And this wasn't happening because <laughs> the neckbeards of the day were so enamored with the ladies and just couldn't stop thinking about them, but rather because many of these artists and intellectuals and scientists were increasingly seeing women as not just the other, but Mm -hmm. as a monstrous other, like a Medusa, right? (laughs) And um, let me tell you, nothing gave them quite such a fright as vaginas. (laughs)
1: But they were men, and they thought about themselves that they are they are the alpha men. No?
2: Yes, but it's gay to like women. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> it, it, we'll see. It's it's a very it was a very confusing time for them because it just makes so little sense. But it eventually drove them wild because of the heaps and heaps of contradictions. Mm-hmm. Right. So on the topic of uh, you know the fear of vagina vaginas. Everywhere you see expressed the danger for man to be found in the silent call of its dark opening the fantasy also carries the very real fear of syphilis. And, you know, I mean, yes, the fact that syphilis was so rampant at the time and there was no cure for it, and the fact that, you know, in its late stages it causes yeah, people yeah, to yeah, lose, it, their mind, lose their mind, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it explains a bit of the crazy, but it doesn't excuse it. So, what is Otto's book about? In its introduction, he claims to have tried to place the relations of the the sexes in a new and decisive light, and thus go beyond the common scientific categorizations to the heart of psychology, but a psychology understood from a purely philosophical perspective. And I don't know about you, but whenever someone tells you, no, 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 listen, I'm going to approach this from a purely philosophical perspective, all the red flags (laughs) just (laughs) go. It just sounds like someone is going to basically tell you their opinion and uh, and just sort of passing it off as science or fact. Yeah,
1: you 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 can accept it or you
2: cannot. Yeah, 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 I but mean... yeah, but if he uh, if the person were to just say, "Well, i this is your, my opinion," then you're like, mm, "This is your, your opinion. It's a stupid opinion." But if, oh, no, 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 no. Wait, this is better. a it philosophical <laughs> philosophical framework. Yes, so. In his book, Weininger basically says, Women bad. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you don't like about the world or yourself is just because of the ladies. Evil has a pussy, essentially. Uh, And there is nothing redeemable about female nature. It's all shit. (laughs) He begins his chapter, The Nature of Woman and Her Significance in the Universe, by saying... The deeper the analysis goes into the estimation of woman the more we must deny her all that is lofty and noble great and beautiful
1: I think he was rejected by women <laughs> a lot and
2: uh, I think he was why, why I think he was this? really horrified by women I that I that that is quite certain and
1: is he was maybe gay I mean we can accept that mm-hmm. but I don't think he was.
2: Well, I mean, obviously, it's very difficult to tell ne- that, yes. like now, hundred and something years back, and there has been speculation about this.
1: You think he overall. had a good relationship with his mom? <laughs> I mean, we can trace back.
2: I don't know. I and and I think. Uh, Ultimately although uh, your like uh, personal relationships obviously influence of the course. person you develop uh, yourself into as a sort of public figure and public intellectual, even if you had have had trauma in your life caused by I don't know, your mother, your partners, your gr- girlfriends, you have a certain responsibility which, these people clearly did not think a lot about because they just put out whatever ideas they had about women, about uh, different races, about different, uh, you know, classes of people. Like they legit thought that, oh, okay, so if you were working class, basically you were, you know, just a step above monkeys and uh, <laughs> the other races that they also shut up on. So there's more to uh, Mr. Weininger's uh, beautiful uh, heap of misogyny because he also, like, uh, i said like i mentioned uh, shits on other races or nations and i quote him the last thing i wish to advocate is for the asiatic standpoint with regards to the treatment of women those who have carefully followed my remarks as to the injustice that all forms of sexuality and erotics visit on women will surely see that this work is not meant to plead for the harem. But it is quite possible to desire the legal equality of men and women, without believing in their moral and intellectual equality. Just as in condemning to the utmost any harshness in the male treatment of the female sex, one does not overlook the tremendous cosmic contrast and organic differences between them. And uh, here's my favorite bit. There are no men in whom there is no trace of the transcendent, who are altogether bad. And there is no woman of whom that could be truly (laughs) said. So he's like, gentlemen. Obviously,
1: (laughs) he was frustrated.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, gentlemen, we can all agree that women are trash. But look at how wonderful we are for not treating them like collectibles. And, you know, of course, that sort of reductive view of the harem that he has is also due to uh, decades uh, mm-hmm. of Westerners imagine, uh, imagining the harem as this uh, very seductive and exoticized place where women are at the beck and call of the lustful Turk. Whereas, actually, one of the reasons someone like Otto might not like the harem is because it, the way it functioned, it gave women... Quite a bit of power to of in, in, the, in state politics So, yeah And uh, just to add to this point of a link between misogyny and racism Weininger is also infamous for going the extra mile into stupidville And proclaiming that everything is bad because of women But also the Jews. But not for the reasons the Jews are usually accused of, you know, making the world a worse place. But because, he says, Jews are basically the feminine nature incarnate.
1: But he was Jewish.
2: Yes. (laughs) I mean... Yes, but like, yeah, but he he also killed himself. Because (laughs) he was like, oh, but I am also a woman and I am also Jewish. Because, you know, this is the thing. If you define basically everything that is bad is woman or femaleness. Then, obviously, to be consistent, then you have to squeeze everything into that box, right? Everything is bad because it has some sort of trace of the feminine in it. So I guess that's how the Jews all got pussy? Yeah. Now, very conveniently, Weininger anticipates and dismisses any future critique of his work from both male and female readers, and in the case of women, he just sort of dismisses them, uh, saying that if we grant that a woman could describe herself with the required sharpness, it does not necessarily follow that she would be interested in the things that most interest us. Moreover, even if she could and would know herself fully, let us assume that this is the case. <laughs> we still have to ask ourselves if she could be brought to talk about herself. They do shut the bitches up. <laughs> <So> <laughs> and um, you might think to yourself, ah, but maybe there will be some valiant male feminists who, you know, can dash in to the rescue. But Otto takes care of them, too. Because he tells them that... Guys, you are basically binded by love and cheap sentimentality, and uh, actually, he's uh, sort of echoing. Um uh, another big brain boy by the name of Schopenhauer, who was like, It is only the man whose intellect is clouded by his sexual impulses that could give the name of the fair sex to the undersized, narrow-shouldered, broad-hipped, and short-legged race. <laughs> is it gay to like women, I guess? <laughs> so, you know, it... it, it I guess 19th century lads were so lucky to have Otto Redpill them <laughs> and <laughs> save their lost souls. And uh, another one of the ideas that he develops in his uh, book is sort of like the late 19th century, early 19th century version of DNA. And uh, it's called an ideoplasm, which is sort of like the thing that gives a male or female character to every cell in the body. And this is important, because he says that maleness and femaleness appear in differing amounts within each cell, so it's basically like cellular bisexuality. And it, it's so interesting, because you also brought up the whole thing about accepting that you have maleness and femaleness yes. within you. So. So far, so good, right? It, 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 uh, the 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 science is not there. Like idioplasia, that's not something that is scientific. Or he just made that up. I shit don't think out. it's
1: proven or something. Yeah, or no, no, no.
2: It's it it wasn't proven then. It's yeah. not proven now. It's like it's bullshit. But like so okay, the, the, the yeah, the <laughs> principle, whatever. Okay, sounds okay so far, right? But the way he then tries to use this uh, framing uh, of women as being pure evil, right? Because that's,
1: that's, main... that's
2: his main goal, women are evil, and you have to understand that. Uh, but also, he has to make it look like it's highly scientific and rigorous intellectual work. So what he does is he says that the ideal male and female uh, are just an abstraction, and that in real life, uh, men and women are on a spectrum, basically. Okay, that's reasonable. Except he he's not going to talk about you know real people as they exist in reality, and he just basically forgets all this idea about uh, maleness and femaleness in various uh, combos, and just says that he's going to talk about you know the abstract, the idealized male and females, because he wants to say that you no know, bitches be bad. <laughs> Uh, so he's just going to focus on these ideas that don't exist in reality. He declares that the female principle is nothing more than sexuality. And so women are only an object, unable of any self-reflection or analysis. And as I said, it's not just him, uh, Baudelaire, you know, the poet. Yes. Uh, he also called women perpetually in heat. <laughs> Her sex opening up onto dark depths constantly demanding and impossible to satisfy. It, 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 to me it's very striking, right? Because now it's uh, sort of reversed, like many guys complain about women. None of them were re- married, right? Uh sorry,
1: none of them were married or something?
2: Oh, uh, I don't know. It's it anyhow considering the fact that you could as a man have sex with prostitutes uh, or you know, you are made or because because and that's not rape if it's the master doing it or you cannot complain about it it's not like they didn't have access to sex or women or relationships It's yeah, well, just, i
1: think if you if you don't live with uh,
2: women or if you don't live you, with women as human beings yes if you
1: yes. live with women like objects yeah mm-hmm. you, you can have these kind of thoughts
2: yeah
1: but if you live with women you i think your perspective is going to change a little
2: yeah again if you treat them like, like at, at least human beings <laughs> let's not even say equals but like at least human beings that, that that's always a good start but i wanted to say that to me it seems so funny because throughout the 19th century and early 20th century like you keep hearing and reading these guys going like women are they're all just sex And like nowadays, many people who hold misogynistic uh, views, they're like, oh, women are such gatekeepers of sex, and they don't want to give it up, and you have to coax it out of them, and uh, they like to, I don't know, act uh, interesting by denying you what you want, and uh, they're frigid, actually. It's not that I cannot please a woman, it's just like they don't enjoy it. So it's like, it it, it has been a weird turn over the course of the century
1: yeah I was thinking that maybe these kind of thoughts in the past mm-hmm. changed some kind of uh, somehow the perspective and thinking of women because I think women also read this kind of stuff. I mean mm-hmm. not only men.
2: So you think they might have been like, Oh, maybe we should tone down the sex or what? <laughs> <laughs> not like that directly, but I I think I get what you mean. You mean that the way we see one another, even if it doesn't necessarily have any direct relationship to how things are, we still influence one another, you know, men and women. The way men talk and reflect upon women has an influence on women and the other way around.
1: More or less, yes, Mm -hmm. because we're all human beings, so Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we influence each other.
2: Okay, so Weininger further elaborates on his ideas, so women are just sex. <laughs> but the male, on the other hand, is sexual and, he adds mysteriously, something, something more. more. <laughs> is specific
0: or something? Or?
2: It's something, mo- so- something more. 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 Mm. He is capable of thinking and therefore, as the saying goes, he is. Uh, and you would think that if he would follow his whole uh, shtick about the mixture of male and female principles in various combos within us, uh, the idea of calling half of humankind soulless, stupid, sex o- uh, automatons would make no sense. But alas, Otto, dearest, is unconcerned about such trivialities. Uh, Misha Kafka observes that since woman cannot think, According to Weidinger, she cannot think conceptually. She can neither make judgments nor desire truth. She easily loses touch with reality if it stands in the way of her wishes. Never happened to any man. (laughs) As a result, her speech consists of lies and errors. (laughs) All bitches be lying. But since her very being is a profound falseness, incapable of conceiving truth and separate from any moral standard, her lies are the measure of her immorality, rather than her immorality. Woman can thus feel no true guilt. She has no free will, no ego, and no soul. No soul. <laughs> no soul. Nada. Here's what another uh, fellow painter, Pierre-Auguste Renoir, said on the topic of uh, women and their worth. She does not live. She certainly does not think. (laughs) Glad we (laughs) figured that one out. (laughs) We men, though, we are all more or less psychologists, and uh, really more foolish dreamers than psychologists. Stupidly, we insist on attributing to woman our own sentiments, our own emotions, the dreams of being who live. We choose to give her a complicated heart. A twisted intelligence, we like to declare her to be an angel or demon. To be sublime or to be a Machiavellian. Serpentine. Feline. Poor fools that you are, the painter seems to tell us. As if a cat or a viper did not have thousand times more soul than a woman. Be reasonable, like me, and don't make such a <laughs> fuss over the pseudo-vitality of the marvellous and oh-so-adorable pretty little automaton which the god lord gave you to amuse yourselves with play with your doll have some fun and attribute to her the sentiments she couldn't possibly entertain breathe alive into her with your imagination but be careful not to take all that too seriously for that would make you as silly as children Who, with tears in their eyes and clenched fists, pour invective over an an irresponsible plaything. I thought I was kidding about. Sounds like (laughs) a
1: couple of kindergarten children like er, arguing with each other, which is better, which is. uh. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So how did we get to all of this craziness? This idea that men and women are so different that they're not even the same species. Right? Because this is what they're saying. They, yes. They're they not even human. They're not even like animals. It's like <laughs> they're worse than animals. It's like, ah! So, the 19th century was the height of the colonial empires. Uh, it was also a time of intense public enthusiasm for science. Uh, and when Charles Darwin uh, and his theory of evolution burst onto the scene, unfortunately, it didn't take long for many people to take this scientific framework, which had, you know, a very specific application, and to just use it willy-nilly for whatever they wanted to argue for. And uh, Bram Dykstra notes in his book that the theory of evolution became a catch-all phrase used to justify any and all forms of personal and social aggression upon the constitutionally weak, culturally disadvantaged, and economically oppressed. The nineteenth century had been seeking an image that might replace the much too static earlier conception of a chain of being, in which each of God's creatures, including humanity, had its proper position in an interlocking link in the mighty delineation of rank in the order of creation, from the lowest organism to the angels surrounding God's throne. Many successful men felt that in a restless world of economic agitation, which had seen members of the nobility become paupers and mere men revered like gods in the realm of economic achievement, to be identified as a simple link in a chain was an affront. The ladder of success was a much better image, and what more perfect ladder than that which had been constructed by evolutionary science? So uh, these are the makings of, um, the underpinnings of uh, some of these ideas. And uh, furthermore, I think that, you know, it it was the consequence of the Westerners sort of coming into contact with many different cultures. And as they observe these differences, right, when you observe differences, you usually also make a value judgment, like, is mine better than yours? And besides, of course them wanting to think that, of course, our values are better than everyone else's, they also had another reason to believe that, and to then use whatever science or pseudoscience they had at hand to, to, to prop that up. So they had another reason in that they wanted to take other people's stuff. <laughs> their yeah. resources, their lands, their, use their people as you know slaves or laborers, and so on and so forth. So, like... That's a double whammy. You, you want to believe that you're better than everyone else and that the fact that you're doing a, a lot of exploitation and a lot of really morally abhorrent stuff, right? Because you, you will uh, wage war, you will torture people, you will uh, exploit, you will take their stuff. So this is, you know, according to pretty much every religion, this is bad. And Mm -hmm. the way you sort of tell yourself that, no, 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 I, I can keep doing this, is you have to sort of tell yourself these stories that, well, actually, no, these people are... Children and I have a responsibility to like take over their country and govern it for uh, instead of uh, themselves. And I'm not taking their resources; I'm just using them better than they ever could. And ultimately, they also benefit from this. So again, just stories upon stories. And um, in a way, besides uh, sort of the explanation with regards uh, the contact with with foreign lands and foreign people, it was also a way to to dismiss any criticism of what was going on, you know, inside, from deep inside the house, so to speak, right? Because Western societies were also, and Arab still also, uh, deeply unequal. But if you have this frame of mind, you go, no problem, Uh, that's actually a sign of progress. Because evolution showed some individuals adapt better than others. So eventually, those individuals sort of pull away from the rest, and you end up with unequal societies. This is how they argued that first you had the women who were left behind, you know, because bitches be dumb, <laughs> then men from other races, and this is why they they could be dismissive of them, and then, of course, the poor from your own country. Because, again, the, 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 the middle classes and the upper classes fought like, The lower classes were basically just a step above animals, so there you have it. Everything is as it should be, and everyone can now go back to work.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like the Nazi Germany,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I mean they they did the same stuff. It's building up, it's building up to that, yes. They they did the same stuff. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, This is one of the reasons why uh, you know the the whole uh, trope of oh, but I'm going back in time and killing Hitler so that uh, the Second World War like not happen. It's it's, 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 it's all very childish because something very similar, of course not the same, but something very similar would have happened because again, unfortunately. It wasn't like the the whole uh, It wasn't
1: him who who yes, he was influenced by uh yes a lot and and
2: it wasn't like actually the Nazis a lot of their sort of uh, social eugenics programs were uh directly inspired for instance from things happening in the US already uh and there were like They had
1: freaking zoos yeah. in the US with with black people so yeah yeah,
2: yeah. and 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 also they had like Europe-wide and worldwide conferences for eugenicists, where they would discuss. Okay, so we have these ideas, and obviously we are right. But how can we make this? Uh, how can we turn this into political actions? How can we influence politicians? How can we make this like party platforms? So things were on the way, anyhow. Uh, so, um, let's see more about uh, this idea of uh, women being uh, the other and being beneath beneath the <laughs> transcendent man. <laughs> From the moment scientists decided that woman's evolution had not progressed beyond the condition of childhood, it became a foregone conclusion that a link was to be discovered between woman's stunted evolution and her reproductive responsibility. Obviously, a plausible reason for this phenomenon would have to be found to make it a part of objective science. We have to find a way, gentlemen! <laughs> what the reason, then, what more perfectly metaphorical, harmonious motive than to discover that woman was mentally a child, because she needed all her vital energy to have children? Brain work required much vital energy. And hence, brain work was properly the realm of the male. To think was to spend vital energy, just as much as it took to give birth to a child. Who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> it's very childish. It's surprisingly childish, I mean. And uh, let, me, let, me, let me continue. Uh, does the brainless existence of woman is a creature of simple instinct, the fertile soil of humanity, the ripe fruit of nature, whose instincts should be cultivated to feed primal needs of the develop- developing male, Came to be seen by many turn of the century males as a scientifically proven fact. You don't need facts if you're already <laughs> like convinced about this. Uh, maternity should be the sole realm of feminine activity. Intelligent man, word Mobyus, should make certain that their wib- wives would be healthy women, not brain ladies. <laughs> He says, let's tear down the newfangled high schools for women, he argued. They have little effect on girls, except on making them nervous and weak.
1: I have to stop you. <laughs> I mean, even in our society, a lot of men uh, prefer a healthy woman, not a brain woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them, a lot. If you, if you yeah. have a smart woman beside you, you're done.
2: Mm-hmm. Is, it, is this also about. Uh, Which is a good thing. <laughs> is this also about this fear of uh, not uh, being the most alpha in the relationship? Of course. <laughs>
1: of course. I mean, you, you see a lot of people, they have uh, super nice and sexy women mm-hmm. besides them, but they're dumb as fuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because if, if they were smarter, the masculi- their idea of masculinity mm-hmm. would drop a lot. Mm-hmm. So it's quite actual <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's now turn our attention to the gentleman, right We've been talking about women well, women through the eyes of gentlemen of yes. <laughs> uh remember how uh Otto said that any of the male readers who would call his writing misogynistic uh would Uh, are just sort of inebriated by the sweet scent of pussy wafting through their nostrils and thus rendered incapable of logically logically refuting any arguments. Uh, He elaborates on that idea. The premise is that men who think highly of women or at least who fail to see them as subhuman because this <laughs> fail is fail
1: to see them. Yes,
2: this is the level. They are not defending women as much as an idealized idea of what women should be. Uh so is this is basically Weininger going like you think you like pussy. Oh no, let me explain this away. It's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not what you think. <laughs> Um, I I did joke about the scent of pussy thing, but actually, Weininger insists on drawing a clear distinction between sexual attraction and love. According to him, love grows stronger and is nurtured by separation and distance, while sexual desire depends on the opposite, physical intimacy. This means that... Bodily union is fully unthinkable, according to him, when one loves and love by extension has no part in the sexual act so i don't know it's it's this whole period just seems to be like an insul wet dream it's It's horrendous it's anywho The point is apparently that um Yearning from afar, that distance uh, that man puts between himself and the object of his affection is what leads to him idealizing his lover. It's not any sort of characteristic that any individual woman might have. Scratch that, women are not individuals, they are hive mind, they are subhuman. How dare I? I, Bad, bad Diana. Um, And because men sort of willfully blind themselves to the reality of what woman is, Trash, as we established. Uh, that's why they are capable of loving her. Because, that's the only reason. Uh, yes, that's it. <laughs> because no self-respecting heterosexual male would otherwise fancy them ladies. Am I right, fellows?
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think people still write stuff and believe stuff like this?
2: Oh yes. I mean,
1: like, like he did. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean. Obviously, if you just uh, want to feel very sorry for the the state of humanity, you can just go on, I don't know, Reddit or something like that and just look up uh, sort of chat groups or things like that where uh, incels or misogynists of any uh, shape, form or color gather and the sort of things they say. I mean, many of them are echoes of what we're reading Mm -hmm. now, it's eerie because I don't think that they've read anything about you know nineteenth century. Probably, probably not. <laughs> no, it's just like it. It because uh, in a way this is the the, the way I, uh, the, the, the reason I want to talk to talk about this because these are cultural underpinnings that have been sort of transmitted through the through, through culture right through the books you read through the ideas that get passed on and so on and so forth to justify some of the issues that individuals keep confronting themselves with, right? Mm-hmm. Feelings of inferiority, of not living up to expectations, of uh, maybe being afraid of, oh, am I going to, I don't know, impress the ladies, am I going to impress my guy friends, right? Mm-hmm. And so you you build these barriers uh, between yourselves and... And the world, really, because as you said, if you don't really want to ever know a member of the opposite sex or whatever, to 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 actually engage with them, right? And to see, because you yes. you're going to like some of them. Some of them are yes are going to be awful, and they're going to maybe do the exact toxic thing that maybe some of the guys do. Where like, oh, well, why are you crying? You're such a pussy. I want a real man and things like that, right? Because yeah, that's also can well, happen. Of course. Uh, But as I said, if you never do the thing where you actually meet people and you get to know them, you just build up this whole fantasy. It's like Lord of the Rings, but with hating women, you know? it's such a rich lore right cuz you 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 have people uh, making youtube videos you have redditors you have you you will also find probably if you are inclined to ever do so you will find people holding courses you know i don't know misogyny 101 how to
1: p- that that those
2: pick up artists or men's rights activists which you know it's such a such a a perversion of the name of a movement, like, they don't really care about any of the men's rights that they say, that they bring up, right, as as a way to dismiss women's issues, right? Because they say, oh, but, yeah, but what about men's mental health? Which, yes,
1: it is a big concern.
2: It's, it's a big concern, but they never do anything to address that or to help with that. They just bring it up, you know, as a shield to stop any discussion for anything else. Yeah, this, this still happens, to answer your question. It definitely does. Uh, and actually, uh, getting back to Weininger, insultdom intensifies further still. As he posits that the woman who has been handled, possessed, oh. <laughs> so the language, yes, is gorgeous, will not be adored for her beauty by anyone again. Quite literally, comparing women to the socks he came into. <laughs> so, like, what do you mean,
1: never again? Why?
2: Because it's like I don't know. Uh, like I said, like a sock, you jerked off in the sock, and oh, by the way, do you? It, no,
1: I don't jerk in myself. Is it, but
2: is it true? Is it a thing some guys do?
1: Yes, I heard about that. Do stuff. they reuse
2: yeah. the socks? Probably
1: they wash it and that's it. I mean fascinating. I
2: don't know. Let's go on. I,
1: I, I will make a research on that.
2: <laughs> Come back in another episode and tell us about uh, the prevalence of men jerking in their socks. There's probably a lot of other objects within the household that they use when they need to. What do you think about what? I don't know tupper- so- Tupperware of mm. stuff. Yeah. Anywho. Research. <laughs> research. Um, our man Otto goes on. The naked body of a living woman.
1: Of a living. Okay. Okay.
2: Yes. I, I, by this, yeah, I know. I know I know you <laughs> went there, but like he doesn't, as far as we know, he doesn't mean like bad ladies. He just means like real life women as yes. opposed to, I don't know, what you see in a painting or stuff like that. And uh, I'm going to paraphrase him now, but like basically he says the naked body is icky and could not possibly act as like the object of desire or something to be revered by a man. And that's why they have artistic representations of the female body. Because you see, the bodies of real women just have this fear of something unfinished, straining after something outside of them. This sense of Something unfinished in the naked woman, appears most strongly when she's standing. Less so when she's lying down. Essentially, he asks the readers, Fellas, don't you hate it when your lady don't have a penis? (laughs) And that may sound like uh, I'm stretching it a bit, but I got receipts. He's talking about women being undeveloped men, which was also a very commonly held idea. And, uh... Like I said, some of these guys were scared shitless of women. For instance, Sigmund Freud. the so famous <laughs> Sigmund. Uh, he compared the female sex to Medusa's head for its petrifying ugliness. Vaginas were the scary abyss you dipped your pee-pee into because nature demanded it in order for life to continue. And uh, Weininger is outright grossed out by female genitalia. So in his essay of women, the previous uh, body, wild body,
1: I'm still shocked.
2: Spiritual, <laughs> spiritual body of uh, Weininger, uh, Arthur Schopenhauer, writes, another philosophical framework, um, writes that women are directly fitted for acting as the nurses and teachers of our early childhood by the fact that they are themselves frivolous, childish, and short-sighted. In a word, they are big children all, all their life long. A kind of intermediate stage between the child and the full-grown man. And um, for once, Charles Darwin didn't help the situation <laughs> <laughs> by remarking in The Descent of Man that, yeah, chicks do be like that. They do look more like babes. That's why Of I course we did... they look like babes, because... We call them baby! Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: because... Uh... A lot of men, like, they they get wives, and and the girls were like 13, 14, Mm -hmm. so of course they were kids, I mean... Yeah, and they
2: they, they were getting uh, young wives for several reasons, right? Because it's easier to then mold the person that you want your wife to be. It's also uh, probably, you know, if you're already an older guy, which happened to be the case for many men who married at the time, they were older, significantly older than their wives. You want your wife to be able to bear children, for quite a while, because it might not—you might not be successful on the first try, right? If you're already approaching. And this is still a, happening. Yeah. Getting back to Weininger, are you ready to upgrade the crazy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can still upgrade this.
2: I've always. I would sum up uh, Otto's next take as: It's bad to be gay, but it's okay if you're gay with yourself. I told you we were going to uh, touch crazy. on the gay thing I mean, Yeah.
1: He's, he's thinking about women with dicks Chicks with dicks <laughs> yes. So you have, to keep, you have to be gay with yourself
2: Yes <laughs> It's not just okay. that men need to project onto women qualities That they don't have in order to be able to love them The actual virtues they project Are the men's highest moral aspirations So Basically, he loves her for what he wishes he would be. It's man love all the way. So if you love the woman who is the person you would like to be, you're loving the you that is better than the you that is today. (laughs) And you'd think that given the heavily implied homoerotic nature of this brand of misogyny, he'd be totally cool with male homosexuality. But... It's not the case. Although uh, there was an explosion in images portraying young boys, or as adjacent individuals call it defensively ephes. That was more because women were just so darn bad at being women, according to to these bright minds uh, Rather than sort of openness towards uh, male homosexuality And uh, actually you know, very twisted logic. They thought that these depictions of young boys kind of had it all, the softness of a female uh, body, well, of a feminine body and the potential to destroy you with back the logic, because ultimately they were men. <laughs> <laughs> um, in his uh, book, Bram Dijkstra offers examples of 19th century and early 20th century paintings, and uh, of how this idea that women are big children led to a production of what I'd call, if not child pornography, something pretty close to it. Uh, There are pictures of adolescent boys and girls as young as three or four years old in poses that were normally associated with coquettish or titillating portrayals of adult women. So it's like, I don't know, the model on the Playboy cover or Hustler, but imagine that it's basically a three-year or four-year-old child of... Whichever sex. Uh, Now, since women act as a sort of conduit for man's self-love, Weininger argues that they quite literally pop into existence only when guys get hard on. (laughs) (laughs) I quote, It is only when the man affirms his own sexuality when he negates the absolute The absolute. The absolute. Uh, The absolute, I don't know what. Turning away from eternal life and to the lower life, that the woman receives her existence only when the something comes to nothing can the nothing come to something mic drop (laughs) (laughs) so you know at the end of the day what poor Otto just asks all the guys and fellas is to just stop fucking (laughs) and not just fucking but like extinguish any sexual thought or impulse shop closed we can't serve you Bye.
1: (laughs) imagine if he would have lived 30 more years or something damn
2: (laughs) Uh, do you think he could have topped that of course oh yeah (laughs) i mean why am i asking this of course um so It's been quite a ride so far, and you maybe think that this is basically it. This is like the final, stupid conclusion of this man's fever dream. Hit me! Yeah, it's not. He goes on, arguing that the very nature of male sexuality is a sign of the sort of infection with the femininity virus that gnaws at masculinity from within. (laughs) <laughs> the reason why he calls for abstinence is because having sex with a woman is somehow robbing man of his maleness and turning him into a woman. Quote,
1: wait, wait,
2: what? <laughs> <laughs> quote, quote, let me just uh, finish the, the man's idea. Let him have his say. The criminal most worthy of contempt is the man who becomes a woman. Becoming a woman is the deepest fear in man. The fear of the alluring abyss of nothingness. Any closing thoughts?
1: <laughs> After this thought, I think he shot himself. That's it. Yeah,
2: I mean, he, I, I mean, he did, because probably... T- so he was abstinent? Yeah, well, I think he probably gave in to jerking off, I'm imagining, uh, one night. And then he was like, okay, that's it. Like This is a slippery slope. I cannot let this happen to me. I have to live by my own principles. Kabluey, I don't know.
1: <laughs> At the beginning, I was kind of angry about this guy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now it's like
2: it's kind of exhausting because once you go beyond a certain level, you 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 push past the anger barrier, yes. and you're like, oh, this this is just beyond sad. This is this this is a. a where you're seriously thinking that as much as uh, it's, um, of course, his output uh, is toxic and uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, whatever his trauma was, whatever his struggles were, do not excuse the fact that he spread this sort of shit. Well, he further spread this shit around, as we said, it it wasn't just the product of his mind. Uh, So it's not an excuse, but you're like, obviously, especially because it wasn't just him, uh, and because these ideas sort of keep coming back uh, in various guises, it's obvious that we need to have a serious discussion about why people, and, you know, men in this case, but in other cases just people in general, have all these sort of... um, Problems that lead them to to lash out to onto others and to society and become destructive and be like I don't know I just fucking I'm in pain and I want everyone else to suffer and die and be miserable and oh I want to see them you know belittled and beneath me and subhuman and whatever 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 it's not good folks it's not good
1: yeah <laughs> it's bad <Just> love, yourself. <laughs>
2: love yourself ask for help go to a therapist if you can afford it and if not there are a lot of
1: therapists even even in romania where uh,
2: yeah i mean uh, unless yes unless uh, i mean obviously there are some cases where even if it's for free i guess people just uh, don't have access to that because you know maybe if you live in a rural area or you don't yes. even have someone to point you towards a therapist maybe that's not going to be the first thing you're going to think about but you can you can always yeah.
1: uh, talk with someone
2: mm.
1: always even in the rural rural yeah, area yeah, yeah. you have a neighbor you have a friend you have maybe maybe if even if you talk with your dog <laughs> which <laughs> he's never gonna
2: good but, listeners hmm, dogs yeah you can you can.
1: Say some stuff.
2: Get it off your chest. Get it
1: off your chest and and, and put and it just... into
2: words. Because this is also something that it's really interesting, right? Because you think, well, I'm already thinking it, and I'm just, you know, talking to myself or talking to the dog or the cat. So like nobody's there to offer me any input. So what what good does it do me? But it does because if it's in your mind, just in your brain, the way we things. It's not as structured as when we speak, right? Because when you put things into sentence, you give shape to your ideas, you constrain them somewhat, right? Because you have to express them. But then they are there, and then you can have a look at them, you can examine them. And maybe if they sort of created within you fear, or uh, guilt or things like that, then you can be sort of you can critically approach it and is this warranted? Should I feel guilty? Should I feel ashamed? you know and and, and then this is how you grow if, if you're ashamed
1: uh, of talking with, about, about your stuff, your mm-hmm. feelings, you can write it down yeah
2: yeah and yeah. that and
1: that is only for yourself
2: yeah yeah
1: and in two three days in a week after a week, just read it. Mm-hmm. And it helps a lot, yeah, nowadays so yeah guys be be fifty percent women <laughs> and be fifty percent men because it's it's good. it's good
2: or be you know whatever combo yeah, perc- percentage, whatever it doesn't matter. The point is uh whatever you are and uh, however you know you discover yourself to 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 be as a human being. Uh, Keep learning about yourself Keep analyzing yourself Keep loving yourself And also Maybe possibly do that With the people around you
1: (laughs) It's gonna hurt like hell
2: Yeah, it's not always nice I I mean, we're not Trying to uh, sugarcoat this But uh, it's kind of necessary To not become Weininger (laughs) (laughs) Yeah Well, uh, that's it for today I guess David, thank you for this uh, lovely chat. Thank (laughs) you. Hope to see you back on another episode. And to all the, I don't know, Five ten listeners. I I think I think I think we grew a bit. I think there are more than five listeners now, according to the analytics.
1: Should
2: be. Yeah. Uh, If you enjoy our content, uh, it would help us a lot if you could give it a shout out on any social media you might be uh, active on. Uh, You can find the the podcast on Spotify, YouTube, uh, and Instagram. Uh, We're also on Twitter, Theory. I usually forget to post stuff but again if you want to write to us or you want to spread the love you can do it uh, via Twitter as well Uh, you'll find links to uh, all the social media stuff and the sources in uh, the episode description see you around
1: bye adios